0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked On Sabres podcast is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me this week to get in on the action. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: It is the Locked On NHL podcast, your Friday edition of the show. Joe DiBiase, as always, from Locked On Sabres. And I'm joined this week again by Rachel Donner of Locked On Flyers. And I'm amazed we haven't talked since the big Ristolainen trade last weekend. How's, uh, how, <laughs> how are Flyer fans taking it?
1: You know, I think it went from horror to acceptance mm-hmm. over the past few days. I think that he is definitely a little bit of a reclamation project, but there is the factor of he had a really horrible bout with COVID last season. he Mm -hmm. was playing on a team that wasn't great overall and that he's being moved from a top pairing role to a second pairing role. So there's hope there that he can turn things around a little bit. Plus he only has one year left on the contract. So if it doesn't work out, they can part ways with him and mm-hmm. almost no harm, no foul. So All right. it's not as bad as it was given what we gave up for him, which was the big problem.
0: Yeah. How, how is, uh, how's Chuck Fletcher's reputation down there? Because I remember him in Minnesota, like it turned sour really quick. He made, he's made a lot of trades with the Sabres, by the way, in his career, this was his sixth trade with the Sabres in his career. Um, And I remember in Minnesota, like he was like really respected there. And then I think he's still respected in the league, no doubt. But in Minnesota, at least like it turned sour really quick. And I'm not sure he's been there long enough for that to happen yet in Philly. Right. Or has he?
1: Yeah. It's interesting because this is his third off season with the Flyers and last season he was a little bit cautious and basically had the attitude of we're going to trust some of the kids to take on certain roles and it didn't work out in a lot of those cases and so this season he's made a lot of moves in an effort to get veteran leadership into the locker room make a change because he said that You know, the roster that the Flyers had this past season, and I agree with him is a good roster on paper, but just something wasn't working. So he just had to make some changes and, Mm -hmm. you know, he's certainly done that. You can't argue that he hasn't achieved what he personally set out to do with the team and whether it all works or not is to be seen. Right. Um, All right. Well, let's we we don't need to really dive
0: into all that happened in free agency as uh, our Thursday show of the podcast really tackled it one by one. Um, But, you know, as we usually break down like the biggest headlines of the week, obviously you want to pick apart. Some teams and some moves that I thought were the biggest ones of the weekend. In fact, we're going to get into a couple teams that may have taken the biggest leaps forward from last year to this year. And a couple teams that we'll get to have, you know, they have teams that you would think were kind of arrow pointing down. And now maybe the arrow starting to point up again a little bit. We'll explain that in a little bit. Um, but one contract that did happen yesterday after our Thursday show recorded was Brandon Saad going to the St. Louis Blues on a five-year deal, $4.5 million per year. Nothing major here. You know, they hurt their their rival, the Avalanche, a little bit. Um, they, they replaced Mike Hoffman in their top six. Um, not much needs to be said here, right? But, I mean, a signing that will help them, but I don't think changes, you know, how I think of them for next year in any way.
1: Yeah, not really. I, I think it's a good, solid signing, but it's not a game changer. Right, exactly.
0: Um, and that was pretty much it. I mean, you had a lot of other minor moves around the league, but nothing crazy yesterday other than the set, the Dougie Hamilton signing in New Jersey becoming official. Um, and that is a monster extension that he signs there. The Devils had the cap space. In fact, they really almost needed to make that deal in order to to help them reach the cap floor, um, he comes in with an average annual value of nine million dollars per year on a seven-year deal. The Hurricanes, they Don Waddell sounded like they wanted to keep him, but could not compete with that offer. Um, this is kind of a, it makes sense in that the Devils needed to spend money. Hamilton's looking to cash out, but I think we talked about it a little bit before the show when kind of going through teams like, hey, did this team get a lot better? Did this team get a lot better? It's a good player. It's a great player even for the devils, but I just, I can't get on board with the rest of that roster to think that they're going to take a next step.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, they could improve a little bit. I just think they're such a young team that yeah. they just haven't matured into a contender yet.
0: Yeah. I think that that's definitely right. In that division that we're going back to the divisions next year. Uh, so if you forgot uh, it's going to be Carolina or, hold on one second. I have Of course, I brought up the divisions for next year. And what did I do? I accidentally brought up the divisions for last season. Uh, No, the divisions next year go back to Carolina, Columbus, New Jersey, the Islanders, the Rangers, the Flyers, the Penguins and the Capitals. And I don't know, maybe I'd put Columbus below them, but that might be it. Like, would they not be second from the bottom for you in that division going into next year? still?
1: You know, other than that, I am very curious how this Tom Wilson antagonist experiment (laughs) goes for the New York Rangers. I think that it could go okay for them or it could go very badly for them. I don't see it going well for them per se.
0: They they're interesting to bring up here for this because like, could the devils be better than the Rangers? Because I've often thought about them in the last couple of years as like this up and coming team. They've got all this young talent. They signed Panarin, by the way, but they've got Alexis Lafreniere. They drafted first overall, and he's only gotten his feet wet. Capo Kako looked a little bit better in his second year, and he's got high level talent. He went second overall a couple years ago. Keandre Miller is a really up and coming defenseman in the league. Um, and Igor Shosturkin and Net looked like a all star when he first showed up, and he's still like 22 years old. They got all this young talent, but right. Like what is their direction now? It seems like they're just obsessed with beating the crap out of Tom Wilson because they get Sammy Blay in the deal for Pavel Buchnevich. Who's basically a fourth liner, uh, a tough guy. And then they go sign like the toughest guy in the league and Ryan Reeves or trade for him, a third round pick. So I don't know. They just seem obsessive over, not allowing Tom Wilson to push them around anymore. And I don't think that has to work by any means that could go, that could blow up in their face in that every time you play another team, well, you're getting run over in your own end. So what does it matter if you have Ryan Reeves on the ice?
1: Exactly. And you know, Ryan Reeves could be a detriment to the team as well. Cause he takes a lot of penalties.
0: All right. Exactly. So yeah, I like, I like the Rangers here. Um, I guess I'd still put the Devils second from the bottom after Columbus. And then Columbus probably gonna be pretty bad this year. Um, uh, no, I was going to say, I was going to mention maybe the flyers, but I think your flyers are going to be, they're going to be fine. I, I'm not sure they're going to be a Stanley cup contender. In fact, I would probably bet against that, but I don't think they're going to be down in the dumps. Like I think Columbus will be, for instance, um, that sound right. And then we can move on here.
1: Yeah. I think there's just so many new guys in the mix. It's going to be hard to tell what's going on with the team until we're getting about 10 games in to get a feel for how things are are meshing.
0: All right, well, let's bring up some of the big headliners from this week, and I think a lot of the biggest stories that happened this week were in Chicago. And that dates back to NHL draft weekend. They trade the f- a first round pick, a high first round pick that end up being Cole Sillinger, as well as a, a conditional first round pick next season. They do get the 32nd pick back, but they acquire Seth Jones from the Columbus blue jackets. And then they go ahead and they sign him to an eight year deal worth $76 million per year, making him one of the highest paid defensemen in the sport. They not a nice little minor signing pulling from the Sabres get Jake McCabe on a four-year deal worth $4 million per year. I would, I would qualify him as a very solid second pair defenseman And Chicago has had a lot of depth issues in the past couple of years. So I think he will really provide the depth they need to their blue line. Um, and then the biggest story, maybe not the biggest move, but the biggest story is all that happened with Mark Andre Fleury. Um, so I think maybe whether or not they are a massively improved team this year might come down to whether Flurry plays for them or not, because I, I think there's still doubt as to whether that will happen. He's weighing his options. Um, but I don't know, that's how I think of Chicago right now. I think they could be a a muchly improved team from last year to this year. But if Flurry's not there, I don't I don't I don't think they can do it. I think that there's it's only modest improvement if Flurry's not there.
1: Yeah, I think the other big factor for me is if Jonathan Taves comes back healthy or not. Mm -hmm. I think that they need some more offense on that team and a more solid presence up front. And uh, if he's not able to provide that, I don't know how much they can improve.
0: That's that's they I mentioned they improved their depth on the blue line like I like their blue line now Seth Jones Calvin DeHaan, although I guess they could move him uh but I like DeHaan, I like McCabe uh they brought Caleb Jones in who is a good third third pair defenseman already from Edmonton in that Duncan Keith trade uh Connor Murphy they still got under contract I like their blue line and I like their goalie tandem if it's Flurry and Lankinen but yeah they didn't touch forward well I guess they traded for Tyler Johnson in that crazy lightning cap move again uh, where they said Brent Seabrook back because that's still a thing in the league. Um, but right. Like to your point, Tyler Johnson is not, you know, changing my opinion on your forward depth. He's fine, but he's not the player he used to be. Um, and he's expensive. So I, I think I agree that their forward group is not to a point where I would even pick them maybe to make the playoffs yet. Um, how do, what do we think of flurry? Do you think he plays? From reading, you don't think he plays for, you don't think he plays at all? You don't think he plays for Chicago?
1: I, I think he demands a trade and if they won't give it to him, he retires.
0: Okay, man. And that's that's so bad by Chicago. I mean, I guess if he retires, they don't have the cap hit. Um, But I, I don't know. How do you feel about this? Like it, it almost seems like a tough task to find somebody to take that entire contract and Vegas did it. They found Chicago and if Chicago's now got to turn around and find both a team that's willing to take on $7 million in net at this point in the offseason and find a team that Fleury would be willing to go to and play for, I maybe I would bet against him playing because that sounds like a tough task. And if you're Chicago, you don't want to take on the contract and then have to do one of these things that – you know, like the Islanders did with Andrew Ladd or the Devils did with Will Butcher, where you've got to give somebody a draft pick to take the contract because you should then that's a bad look, if you basically gave away a draft pick for nothing in a two week span. Um, and I don't know how many teams would Fleury want to play for Pittsburgh would obviously be on that list, but sounds like they don't want that at this point. And like everyone made their goalie moves, right? Like Carolina signed Freddie Anderson. We mentioned Bernier in New Jersey. Uh, The stars went out and grabbed Braden Holpe. I mean, the Sabres are stuck with Craig Anderson right now, but I can't believe Marc-Andre Fleury would even consider playing for Buffalo. (laughs) So I don't know, maybe he does retire.
1: I I mean, it it seems like the right thing to do, especially because, I mean, the real villain here is Vegas, right? Right. (laughs) Because they're the ones who have been so ruthless about it. And he was promised that he Mm -hmm. could play out his days in Vegas. And clearly he was lied to. And so Mm -hmm. I I don't know that Marc-Andre Fleury wants to stick around in that town to retire after that.
0: Right. Well, yeah. Like what, what is the responsibility of the team there? Because I would argue that while like, even if they had promised to him in the past that like, we're going to let you finish out your career here. If you go to him and say like, listen, we just can't afford to spend $12 million in that anymore. And we've got to move you. And, but you've got to get way out in front of that. You got to know what the player's motivation is. You got to know that if, if, if you're going to go that route, that flurry, Fleury can have time to decide what he wants to do, where he wants to go, whether he wants to retire or not, but you've got to make it clear to him well before the trade that your time here in Vegas is done. And now it's up to you to decide what you want to do, but it doesn't sound like that's what happened at all. It's looked like they just, they surprised him, not even calling him. Like he finds out through Twitter, like that's such a bad job that he wasn't even involved in the process. Let alone, you couldn't even pick up the phone and make sure that, that he knew beforehand. And I don't buy Kelly McCrimmon's uh, reasoning for how that happened. By the way, McCrimmon in his press conference afterwards said that it got leaked because, and they didn't want to tell Fleury yet because the trade was still processing. It wasn't finalized and it was still going through uh, the league office. But if you're Kelly McCrimmon, you you send the, you submit the trade into the league office. You got to know that thing could leak at any moment because it's no longer just in your hands. Now you have the trade, the Blackhawks have the trade and people in the NHL office have the trade. And how, where do you think these reporters get their information? Where does LeBron get it? Where does Dreger get it? They're probably getting it from people that work in the league office. So I agents for and, that matter and agents, although it seems like Alan Walsh was kind of caught off guard too, though. So maybe not that agent, um, but you're right. The agents is a lot of times where it comes from too. So I guess all I want to say here is I don't criticize Vegas for the move. I think they, sh- even though we won the Vesna, I think they should have moved on from him. I like Leonard. I think at $5 million per year, that's a fine contract, but you can't have $12 million in net, but you screwed it up. Like you, you you went about it as poorly as you could go about it. And I don't know. It has me thinking a lot differently about their front office than I did a week ago.
1: Absolutely. It's uh I just was floored by the whole thing. And to treat a guy who is an reigning Vezina winner and NHL legend like this is just mm-hmm. unconscionable to me.
0: Uh, did you, I, You prob- I know you follow me on Twitter. You probably didn't see it though. Did you see, I get a uh, Twitter fight with Bo Bennett, former penguin uh, this week.
1: Oh we were, no. <laughs> we
0: were a little back and forth about, about how f- he made a comment about flurry being, uh, treated so poorly by the hockey world over the years, and I just took issue with that. Like he, he's no doubt a great player, but he's had a lot of bad seasons for like a Hall of Fame level netminder. Not saying he's not a Hall of Fame level netminder, but essentially my point was I don't think he's treated poorly by the hockey world. I think he was definitely treated poorly here by Vegas. But you kind of just mentioned it. Like Flurry's treated like a god in this sport. Like he's beloved, like across the league by fans, by players, by by other general managers. I mean, Chicago just took on a seven million dollar contract for a thirty six year old goalie, like without even knowing whether or not he wanted to come there. So I don't know. I just I get into a lot of fights with people on on flurry. I try not to get bogged down by the save percentage, but I'm a numbers guy, so sometimes I do, um, and that can be a bad thing for me because then I start comparing him to James Reimer, and then people get upset. Uh, <laughs> Cause he's absolutely better than James Reimer, but the career save percentage is about the same, but yeah. And last thing on flurry here, uh, cause let's, let's assume for sake of conversation that he decides to go to Chicago, that he realizes it's basically Chicago or, or don't play because you're not going to find another team that has a better chance to win right now. If he's in Chicago, do you think they're a playoff team? Because I think, I'm, I'm, I'm like 50 50. And it really comes down to Flurry because Flurry, if you look at his numbers and you look at his production the past couple of seasons, how's his career gone in his 30s? It's almost every other year that he's either one of the best goalies in the world or he's giving you backup level production. That happened even the last two years. Last year, he was the best goalie in the world. He had a, he had the Vesna. The year before that, 905 save percentage, one of the worst starters in the league at five on five. And he lost his starting job to Robin Letter. So, I think that's why it's almost like a flip of a coin, right? Like for Chicago to me, it's just what version of flurry shows up if he does.
1: Yeah. I mean, it even goes back further than that. Just remembering lots of games when he was on the pens playing against the Flyers where he just looked terrible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he hasn't been amazingly consistent over his career, but he has come up in clutch. opportunities and clutch games. So that's why I think he has the reputation that he does, that he somehow manages to get it together when he needs to.
0: Right. No, like if they were to make the playoffs and he's on that run, then it would be like, all right, look out. Chicago could actually win another Stanley cup just because flurry is the flurry is a goaltender capable of carrying you through an entire postseason. It's just, you know, again, the question of whether or not that's the version of him that shows up, but that's in there. That version of him is in there. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. If you have not tried a built bar yet, I strongly encourage you to do so as somebody that did not eat protein bars because of the taste. And as somebody, am I a candy snob? Am I an aficionado? I don't know. I eat a lot, not as much anymore. Growing up, a lot of candy bars. And I'm telling you, Built Bar is a candy bar. It's not. It tastes like one, though. You have 18 amazing flavors to pick from, including six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. If you go for the the coconut almond puff flavor, that is my favorite. And I'm not even a coconut guy, but it's like eating a mallow cup. That's how good it is. Built Bars are also great for the healthy, conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diets. For example, the peanut butter flavor, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar and only 5 grams net carbs. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. All right, let's get away from Chicago a little bit. Let's talk about another former dynasty that might be looking to have a little bit of a resurgence. Uh, and it's in the Pacific Division. The Los Angeles Kings made one of the bigger forward moves of the week, signing Philip Deneau who I believe is one of the better two-way centermen in the sport. Very criminally underrated during his time in Montreal. And this is really their big move instead of going for for instance, like a Jack Eichel. They've now got Kopitar as their number one center, Dano as their number two center, and they've got Star prospects coming through that will probably arrive this year. Quinton Byfield, second overall pick from last year, as a centerman. Alex Turcott, who is a fifth overall pick from a couple years ago, as a centerman. He probably starts the year on the wing. So they've kind of got this combination of you still got a couple of these these really good players hanging around from the old days, like Kopitar and Dustin Brown, is still even playing pretty well. Um, quick isn't anymore, but fine. Cause Cal Peterson, look, this young kid's arrived. He's a starting goalie and Byfield and Turcotte. And now Deneau has been entered into that equation in that division with the ducks, flames, Oilers, sharks, Kraken, Canucks, and golden Knights. I think I would pick the Kings to finish in the top three today. How does that sound to you with that being their division?
1: I'm not 100% sure there. I think you're right in terms of the forward side of things. And they even had a depth signing of Athanasiu, which yeah. I thought was pretty good as well. But I just worry about their defensive play. Mm-hmm. That Are they going to score a lot of goals but give up a lot of goals too?
0: That's a good point because Doughty is not the same player that he used to be. Alex Edler's fine at this point in his career, but he's older. And then you're, you don't have much after that. So I guess exactly. You're right. Yeah, you're, you're gonna be, you're gonna have to outscore people. Oh, like no, never mind. I was gonna say like Deneau and Kopitar are such a good one-two combo in terms of two-way centermen. But you still got to have the blue line. You can't just, you can't, your, your defense doesn't come down to your centermen. Um, but I will say that that's a nice little boost that Deneau and Kopitar are both like. They could be selkie nominees by the end of the year, but you're right. Good point. I think there's going to be a lot of high danger scoring chances coming up against Cal Peterson this year. If it wasn't the Kings, like how would you see the Pacific? If if you, if I made you pick it today, I think if Vegas is an easy number one. Um,
1: maybe Edmonton.
0: Edmonton as the two, I think, is where I'd be. Even though you just I'm never like, know what you're getting with them.
1: I go back and forth on the Kraken, just really? because the rest of the division is so terrible i mean i think calgary has a shot Mm -hmm. as well to maybe pick i think the kings and calgary could compete for that last spot i like that you threw seattle in there though because i because
0: i don't know should i not they they should be considered they should be considered i mean they have the goaltending they signed grubauer this week um i just wonder about how much they'll be able to score goals you know like I like I like Yanni Gord, I like Jaden Schwartz, I like Alex Wenberg, I like Donskoy. But are these the guys I want to be like relying Eberle on? Too. Yeah, I like Eberly too. But are these the guys? Are these the guys I want to be solely relying on to produce offense? Like, there's no, there's no, like I feel like they've got a lot of second line players, and they don't have any first line players. Maybe so that's my biggest question about them. But I wouldn't rule out that they could make the playoffs this year because again that division is is crap. Um, so yeah, anything you want to add to that, or
1: yeah, I was just gonna say, knowing the Dave Hackstall factor, there <laughs> he does really <laughs> well in the first season.
0: <laughs> That's so, true. What, I what think Philly two rounds, yeah, did they went around the first year, or did they just they, they were just really good in the regular season? I'm forgetting,
1: they won around that year, I believe. Okay, gotcha. Um, um yeah, I think that given the chip on the shoulder factor Mm -hmm. and, you know, ragtag factor that I think that still holds true from the Vegas situation, even if it's a different strategy with different players, there's that factor. Plus I think Dave Haxall could figure something out in one season after that. Don't know. Yeah. Don't really have any faith in him after that. (laughs) But Um, I, I think the chance is there. It's just the right circumstances with the other teams and how they perform.
0: All right. Well, I could see it happening. I think the Pacific will be really interesting this year. Someone's going to come out of nowhere. Um, that though is going to pretty much do it. I'm just doing one little scroll through Twitter just to make sure that we did that. Nothing broke during our podcast here, because that happened on Tuesday where the flurry trade just interrupted everything that we were doing. Um, and it looks like we're pretty good. So that's going to do it for us on today's podcast. Uh, Rachel, do you want to let everyone know where you can follow you on Twitter, where you can uh, check out your stuff?
1: Sure. I'm on Twitter at R Miriam. That's R M I R I A M. And you can hear me every day on locked on flyers. And that is our Twitter account as well.
0: And you can follow me at Sneaky Joe Sports, and you can check out the Locked On Sabres podcast where we are still dealing with, or we're, well, I, I shouldn't say it's a bad thing. We still get Jack Eichel trade content because he's still here. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking plenty more about that situation in the coming days, don't you worry. So that's going to do it, though, for us. I'll be back on Tuesday with Mike DiStefano. This has been the Locked On NHL podcast with Joe DiBiase and Rachel Donner, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Hey, Prime members.